evening, everybody. It may be nearly 1am here in Manhattan, but at the end of a long day, we are still going to learn 929 and what a perek we have. Perek Tetvav, chapter 15 of the first book of Shmuel. This is the chapter in which everything finally falls apart for Shaul in his role as king. He is commanded by Shmuel, by God, to wipe out Amalek, this tribe which has bedeviled Israel ever since it left Egypt, and which Israel has been commanded to once it arrives in the land, once a king is appointed to wipe them out. Shaul is in task with this role. And he almost does it. He defeats them very handily. Except that, Pasuk Tet, verse 9, Vayachamol Shaul Vaha'am Al-Agag Va'al-Metav Hatzon Vahabakal. Shaul and the people have mercy on Agag the king and the best of the sheep and the cattle. They wipe out Amalek almost totally, but not quite. God, however, does not see this as a 9 out of 10. He speaks to Shmuel and says, I regret having made Shaul king. I've changed my mind. He has abandoned, abandoned me. He hasn't fulfilled my word. Shmuel confronts Shaul. Shaul equivocates. He says, no, we have done it. He says, I couldn't hold the people back. Shmuel has no truck with this at all he says god has on this day decided to take the kingdom away from you he says this critical line to shmuel which to shaul pardon me which really sums up shaul's problem although you might be small in your eyes your own eyes you are the head of the tribes of israel you have been appointed for this job. At the end of the chapter, Shaul begs of Shmuel to forgive him, to give him a second chance. Shmuel turns away to leave. Shaul grabs his cloak, his me'il, the me'il which you might remember from when he was a little boy, which his mother sent him. Vayikara, and it is ripped. Vayomer elav Shmuel. And Shmuel says to Shaul, Kara Hashem et Mamlachut Yisrael Ma'alecha, God has ripped the kingdom of Israel away from you on this day, just as you have ripped my cloak. And has given it to somebody who is better than you. The chapter concludes with Shmuel, the prophet, taking Agag, the Amalekite king, who Shaul had spared, and saying to him, the following lines, Just as your sword killed women, Thus, pardon me, as your sword made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And the chapter ends with Shmuel's execution of Agag. What are we to make of this? Well, there is one reading. I believe it's associated with a German-Jewish philosopher, Martin Buber, which actually sees Shaul in this moment as a hero. Shaul listens to his ethical voice. 
he is unable to get his mind round the moral quandaries of the command to execute Amalek. And he refuses to do this. He is unlike, say, Abraham at the Arcada, who is willing to fulfil a clearly unethical demand. According to this reading, Shaul should be a hero of ours. I find this reading very problematic. Not because of theological questions it raises primarily, but actually because of the reading of the text. Shaul is not a great humanitarian in this text. In fact, he wipes out the vast majority of Amalek, not just the men, but the women and the children. Who is it that he spares? He spares Agag, the king. Did he really feel so sorry for Agag? Vayachmol, he had pity on him, we read in verse 9. I think this is an ironic use of the word. He had pity on him just as the people happened to have pity on the best of the sheep, the sheep which they could, of course, keep for themselves, just on the best of them. Why does Shaul keep Agag alive? Because keeping the king alive is, as it were, the trophy cabinet. If you turn back to the first chapter of the book of Shoftim, you'll remember the Canaanite king, Adoni Bezek, who kept 70 kings under his table of peoples he had conquered with their thumbs cut off from them. It's a way of showing off. Shaul, by keeping Agag alive, is able to say to all those who will see, look what a great warrior I am. Here is the people. Here is the king of the people who I wiped out. Shaul is not a humanitarian. And this leads us on to a different take on this chapter and this episode, a very different one from Martin Buber's one. After the massacre at Sabra and Shatila during the First Lebanon War in 1982, during which the Christian South Lebanese army had seemingly been allowed by the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, to enter into Palestinian refugee camps and commit a massacre. My teacher of Aaron Lichtenstein wrote a letter to Prime Minister Menachem Begin, an open letter published in Yediyot Acharonot, in which he said, Shaul is commanded to wipe out Amalek. And he wipes out almost all of them, but not all of them. Why is God so angry? Because by not wiping out all of them, he has shown that actually he wasn't even wiping out any of them for the reason that God had told him to do so, but rather was simply doing so as an act of bloodthirsty war. Shaul, and this writes the Chofetz Chaim as well, is not punished for not killing Agag. Shaul is punished for murdering all of the Amaleki for murdering them, for having destroyed them, clearly because he is not in, not for the reasons that God has told him to do so. Therefore, those murders are counted exactly as that, as murders. Said Rav Lichtenstein to Prime Minister Begin, if you are in Lebanon for security reasons to protect the people of Israel, then so be it. You have to do what you need to do. But this seems to show that in fact you are not there for security reasons, rather there are other things at play. And if that is so, then you are responsible not only for the deaths of the Palestinians in Sabra and Shatila, but also of all of the others as well, if you are not there for the right reasons. This is really quite the idea to get one's 
head around Sha'ul Pei's, not for not having killed Agag, but for having wiped out all of the Amalekites as for the wrong reason, therefore it is counted as murder. How does Shmuel feel about all this? We will return to this tomorrow.